Today, we have the privilege to sit down and talk with Tyler Moon. Tyler's a former college athlete, proud husband to Amy, dog father to Minnie, and his unbelievable story of dying at the age of 25 years old. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. My name is Amos J. Olivares, and I serve as an executive pastor here at Cedar Valley, and I am your host. This is our third episode of our Lean Into the Messy conversational podcast. So whether Cedar Valley is your home church or it's not, maybe you don't even go to church and somebody turned you on to the podcast, I'm so glad you're listening. You can expect this podcast to be honest, it's going to be fun, and we will provide godly perspective on the messy of life. Everybody's got a little messy in their life and nobody really wants to talk about it, but let's just be honest for a moment. Often we create our own messy. Sometimes people bring about messy in our own lives and sometimes messy just slaps you upside the head. Again, thanks for tuning in today. And thank you, Tyler, for being with us here today, man. So nice to have you here with us uh, getting this podcast recorded. Yeah, it's great to be here, Amos. So Tyler, I don't know who, who knows you. You know, our listeners primarily are from here at Cedar Valley uh, and, and you've been here a while. So just give us all uh, just a glimpse into your life. How long have you been at Cedar Valley? How old are you? Where you grew up? Things like that. Yeah, so I'm 28 years old and my wife, Amy, and I have been here for four years now. Uh, we first started coming here. We were just dating and uh, over time we ended up getting engaged and actually got married here. Uh, Neil married us a couple years ago. So that was a special special place here for us. And we've been pretty involved with a group leading, serving coffee and doing other sorts of odd That's things right. here at the I've church. i you guys doing a little bit of everything. That's yeah, right. right. So Tyler, where were you born? I was actually born in Springfield, Illinois. Uh, I lived in uh, that part of the country with my family for just about a year. And then okay. my dad and uh, mom moved us up to Minnesota to be closer to family. Uh, we settled in a town called Sock Rapids, Minnesota, which is about an hour north of the Twin Cities. Uh, small town, uh, about 12,000 people. So I kind of grew up uh, a city kid in the country, kind gotcha. of. You know, yeah. I, I wasn't uh, a farmer by any means, but uh, grew up kind of in a rural area and something that I'm really proud of and uh, where I come from is really important to me. So parents still living in that in that area? Yeah, they still live there and we get to see them every once in a while. So it's fun to kind of see them, see old friends, teachers, uh, different things like that whenever we head back there. Great. So one of the things I said in our intro is a college football player. I said college athlete. You were a college football player, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. And a lot of people may not know that. And they may not know that because, well, you kind of have the physique of well, I guess you could be a wide receiver or like a punter, but <laughs> right. But no, what position did you play? I, I played offensive line. Actually. You were an offensive lineman. So you've since college lost what, 50, 75 pounds? Uh, we're close to about 100 pounds. 100 pounds. Yeah. So yeah, that, that usually throws people off and that's why I threw that out there. But you actually met Amy when you were in college. I, after college, actually. Yeah, after we were college. set up on a blind date from a friend that I met at college. Okay. So uh, it was kind of a, a connection of three people that put us together and uh, ended up going to coffee with her. And the rest is history, I guess. It yeah. went really well. Uh, I left that date. It was a blind date, one of my first ones uh, that I've ever been on. And I was leaving feeling so jacked up about it. And uh, uh, we went on a second date, third date, and uh, ended up getting married. That's awesome. Amy's such an awesome person. She She's is. so full of life. 
Uh, you still pretty passionate about college football? Are you still co- uh, passionate about football in general? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I'm a big Gopher fan, big Viking fan. Okay. So on Saturdays we rode the boat. On Sundays we skull. There you go. Uh, just trying to keep the team. Uh, positive and focus for the year. So yeah. this year is our year. I'll always oh, yeah? say that every year. Tell me your Absolutely. reason why you say that this year. Well, offensively, we have the pieces. We have the talent for the Vikings, I would say at least. Okay. It's just a matter of having the right system. Defensively, we were a little uh, a little weak the last couple of years, but I'm excited to see the additions in free agency and the draft. Um, so hoping for a good year, especially with some of the changes in the division. Yeah, that's great. Uh, one of the things about you that I'm sure most people don't know, uh, but I know, and I'm going to make sure everyone does know now, is that you love to sing. You yes. love singing worship. Is that what happens on your on your commute? You're driving, you throw on some 90s country, some 2000 country, or some good old praise and worship, right? Right. No, I, I my family is super uh, gifted at music. So my dad's side of the family, like we go to Christmas or different gatherings, and you know we're singing songs and people are harmonizing, and it, it's like pretty. It's pretty cool. I'm not super talented, I would say, but I have a big passion for it. Um, if Amy were here to tell you, she would tell you that I'm just singing all the time, oh, like yeah? all the time. Yeah, making conversations into songs, which isn't super helpful in, in certain instances. Yeah. Uh, but man, I love it. And you mentioned '90s country. Big Garth Brooks fan. You know, grew up kind of in that era. Uh, and, and still love singing those those songs and the praise and worship yeah, so ones. T- so two things. Number one is in our church, we intentionally have our volume raised just a little bit so that everyone can sing freely and not have to worry about what our neighbors think. Right. And I'm one of those dudes that I can't sing, but I love to sing. <laughs> uh, and secondly, I, I was in Memphis for two years as a teenager uh, in the 90s. So man, country music was right. like the only thing you heard. And still to this day, man, 90s and 2000s, country music. I love it. And I'm telling you, I could play, I could play trivia games with country songs. I know, I think I know them all. <laughs> so one night we might have to get together and just play some nineties music. I love that. A little boot scoot and boogie and yeah, uh, oh yeah. keep going. All of them. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So, but the main reason why we have you in today and, and uh, of all the great stories that could be said of Tyler's life. And, and I know, I know you, and I know that there's been a lot of great things God has done in your life and a lot of things that you've navigated in your life. And we could, we could truly um, tell several different stories about you today. But the one that I really wanted to focus on and the one that I know you enjoy talking about, um, I'll just say this. So USA Today in the year 2019, it said this on, uh, on the paper. It said, runner who almost died, right? But, but then I found another clip from Runner's World, and this is what it said in this clip. It said, initially, I thought he was having a seizure. His breath was ragged and he was moaning. Bueno tells Runner's World. But then within about 10 seconds, his pulse was gone. That's when we began taking turns to administer CPR. Dude, you died. <laughs> you it, died. It's uh, it's up for I would say up for debate, but it's uh, definitely something that we were on the line between life and death for many minutes there. Okay, so yeah, people have no idea what we're talking about. Tyler was running a race, and at some point he collapsed and died. I'm gonna say he died because that's what the clip <laughs> said. The guy that saved your life said you died. Right. You died. So yeah, tell us the story of that day. What was going on? Why were you running this race? Mm-hmm. Give us, give us, give us the story. 
Yeah, so um, I'll back up a little bit just to get some context to how we got to that point. Uh, but in 2018, so a year before I had uh, my cardiac arrest, I was watching the Twin Cities Marathon and I was watching it with Amy and we were watching her brother run it. And I was there, you know, former college athlete and I didn't really know anything about running. I was like, running is a means to an end. I don't run for, for like, you know, fun purposes. Fun. Um, but at that race, I was so encouraged by everything that was going on. You know, groups of people, uh, men, women, different races, you know, all, all running this one thing. And then you have all these strangers on the side of the road cheering and encouraging people that they don't even know. And so when I went and watched that in 2018, I was like, man, that's pretty cool. I think I want to maybe get into this competitive, if you want to call it competitive running. So I'd done some running for some of my uh, kind of weight loss journey, uh, but that was kind of the first time I'd thought about, well, maybe it'd be fun to get into some more competitive type uh, races. So uh, from that point on, I thought, okay, what can I do? What's my kind of my next step here? And I signed up for the 2019 10 mile race, Twin Cities 10 mile race. So I spent the next, I don't know, you'll say, you'll say a year, but more like six months training in preparation for this 10 mile race. Um, so if we bring it back to 2019 on October 6th, I'm standing at the starting line feeling great. Um, and it's like one of those picture perfect Minnesota fall days. Uh, and I'm ready to go, uh, before the gun shoots off and just ready to make it happen that day. And so those of you listening, if you ever want to deep dive into this story, just Google the name Tyler moon running, just Google that and you'll find all kinds of articles uh, about that. So you're at the starting point to this race about to get going. The, the gun shoots off and there you go. Right. right. What do you remember from then on? Yeah. So, uh, for me, I, I have memory about the first mile basically, which is, which is cool. I actually ended up running eight miles that day before everything happened. Uh, but the gun fires off and you're in downtown Minneapolis. So this is, you know, thousands of people pre COVID like this really electric atmosphere. I got my headphones in, I'm wearing a, a bright orange weedy shirt cause I work for general mills. So I, I love supporting our brand. So, uh, I'm out there running, uh, and it's just, like I said, a perfect day. It's, it's wonderful. My time is really good. I'm pretty locked in. Uh, and then the next thing that I know that I can remember cognitively is I wake up in the hospital. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about what happened in between, but there's a pretty big gap between when I started to when I woke up. Do you happen to have any idea of how big that gap is like in measurement with, with mm. time? It's a good question. Not really, because I was kind of in and out of things for a while when I got to the hospital. Um, so, so let me get this clear. Mile one is what you remember. Mm -hmm. You ran actually eight miles. So you collapsed in the ninth in the, or in the eighth mile somewhere. Correct. So yeah. seven miles is, is gone. No memory. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll get into it a little bit, but that there's two reasons maybe as to why is when they brought me to the hospital, um, I actually, they put me in a medically induced coma. And so that maybe wiped out some of my memory short term. Uh, also when I collapsed initially, I kind of landed on like the side of my face, which could have caused a, a brain injury. So um, it's a little funny, like, you know, people are telling you this story, this dramatic event that's happened in your life, but you don't know anything about it. Um, but fortunately I would say my first mile, the memory that I have that sticks in with me is that I saw my parents and, and Amy at mile one. We said, we're going to meet at mile one, four, seven, and 10. So every three miles, we're going to check in with each other. I saw them at mile one and gave Amy a hug and a kiss and then everything was good. Headed on the road. Yeah, everything was good. So the fact that I don't have much memory is kind of odd, but the one that I have is, is super important to me. Awesome. Okay. So then the collapse happens. 
Yeah. What do you realize now that took place? Yeah, so what I've been told uh, is that shortly after mile eight, um, I was running and I had a kind of a big gasp of air. And uh, this is told for me by someone that was around me when this happened, a big gasp of air and I just collapsed. Um, Just picture someone running and falling flat, like face first, flat on the pavement. And uh, a group of people rushed to me, um, strangers that were running the race or watching the race or people that were just volunteering at the race. Um, They flipped me over because I landed on my face and I was pretty damaged up with some of the the fall and things like that. And Jesse Bueno, one of the guys you referenced earlier, um, you know, they started to kind of talk to each other. There's about a dozen of them there and say, hey, check this, check that. And they slowly started to figure out that, hey, everyone here is a medical professional. They know where this pulse is. They know they're speaking in medical language. And so um, Jesse was one of those and they're trying to figure me out. They're checking my pulse and my pulse goes away, which in uh, you know medical world is, hey, you gotta do CPR or this person's not gonna make it. So someone made the call to say, hey, we gotta start running a code on this guy. And they just started. And uh, these groups of people or group of people, it's kind of like what you see in a movie or what you make it taught in middle school. You know, you do 30 chest compressions and someone does breaths and then you switch and you do 30 chest compressions and someone does breaths and then you switch. And they did that for 10 to 15 minutes until an ambulance could come and uh, the ambulance put the AED on me, shocked me back into a normal rhythm and rushed me off to the hospital. So is it fair to say like those dudes that day saved your life? 100%. Complete strangers, bystanders, just so happen to be medical professionals, just so happen to know exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. Talk about being at the right place at the right time. These dudes saved your life. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, they were, I was able to meet them. Amy and I were able to meet them a couple weeks after everything happened. And it was just incredible. Men and women, um, you know, different ages, just all from different medical facilities in the Twin Cities area and other places as well. Um, and to just kind of meet them and get to know them on a personal level was a really unique and a huge blessing of an opportunity for us. Yeah, so there's there's a little bit to the story that I'm so anxious for people to learn about, uh, particularly with this uh, Jesse Bueno guy. Um, and then there's also some like things that you've done as a result of that, even going back and and uh, running the race that I'd like for you to kind of give us, give us some of the insight to this that really, more than anything, it just shines this bright light on like God's hand on your life. Like mm-hmm. this is a, a very messy part of your life. No one, no one wants this at the age of 25. No one wants this ever, but this happens. Mm-hmm. I'm sure for your wife, I'm sure for your parents, this is everything they did not want on that day. Um, yet, as you look back, it's so apparent that God was with you throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there are certain things about this that make it so obvious. So, so talk to us about some of those things. Yeah, and it's really like, I mean, could touch on a little bit about God's, God's plan, God's providence uh, in our lives. And in my specific case, uh, the really unique part about this story, it's already a pretty exciting story, right? Like someone is saved heroically by a group of people in the middle of the, the street on a, you know, an October day. Uh, but the kind of the exciting part for us as we talk about it is, uh, you know, a couple months before the race, you know, they ask you to fill all this information about, you know, when you sign up your name, your, you know, your contacts, whatever it is. And they say oh, for your race bib, you can put whatever you want on it. So people typically will put their name or put an organization that they're running for. Um, and so I initially put my name, I put Tyler Moon, like that way when I run, people could, you know, cheer for me. They could say, hey, go Tyler, or, you know, whatever it is. And that's kind of the standard is to put your name. 
But a few months before the race, uh, I remember I was just, I was either getting into my car, coming out of my car um, after work. And I had this thought that it was like, hey, um, you should change your race bib to something that's more about Jesus. And we'd been going to church here, you know, we'd been, you know, um, pretty active at church. And I was like, oh, interesting. That's kind of a, a cool thought. Like that'd be kind of cool to be able to encourage folks with a different message. And so, uh, I went in and just thought about it. And I thought, you know, Jesus saves, that's a cool message. Like it fits the number of characters I have for my race bib. And it's a pretty good message of, uh, Jesus saving for eternity. And that's, you know, the most important part. So that's what I changed it to. I emailed the person that did the, the bibs and I said, Hey, um, change it to this. They said, okay, sounds good. And that for me was just kind of something that I thought was a pretty straightforward, cool thing to do to honor God with my run. But little did you know, how little did I know, right? So everything happens, right? And I remember my dad actually took a photo of my race bib when I was in the hospital. And he, I think he was pretty stunned. He was like, wow, this is amazing. Like my son almost died and now he's still alive and Jesus saved him um, thinking like, you know, Jesus is God. Uh, but then a couple of weeks after everything happened, we learned that Jesse, Jesse Bueno, his legal name is actually Jesus, which is spelled the same yeah, way yes, as Jesus. Right. And so that really blew up the story um, kind of on social media and people were like, you know. This thing went viral. Viral, yeah. Like I had a prophetic, you know, race bib, uh, which I don't know, theoretically I did not, I don't consider myself a prophet by any means, but uh, (laughs) it was pretty pretty unique and cool thing to do to be able to share with people what it meant, why I did it, who's Jesus and, and what does that actually mean? Jesus saves, what does that actually mean? Yeah. And it also just so happened to be that the gentleman who stepped up and did those CPR, mm-hmm. uh, whatever you call them, moves or actions. actions on you just so happened to be named Jesus. Right. I think it's crazy too, like, cause I mean, people can, you know, uh, maybe non-believers would say something about coincidence and things like that, but it's it's crazy. Like there's a photo of, of Jesse actually, right before everything happens, there's a photo of him with his family. He was ahead of me in the race and he stopped to meet his family. And you can see me in the background running past him. And then half a mile later, everything happens. Wow. So like he's running faster than I am. Yeah. Um, and first, you know, whatever reason he sees his family there, he stops, says hi. And then the gets rest right is history. It gets right behind me. And then him and the, you know, the group of, I think there's about a dozen of them total were there to save me. So it's just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. So you've since connected with this guy. And, uh, and so talk a little bit about that. And then also you went and re-ran that race and you have memory of every one of those miles, I hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so Jesse's great. Him and his wife, Holly, and they have three kids. They live in Lakeville. Uh, just awesome people. We get together with them. Uh, regularly now and see them as friends. Incredible. Um, so it's a, it's an awesome thing. And, you know, it's crazy to think that in that hard time we came out of it with, I mean, so many great things, but a great relationship, you know, a great friendship that um, really feel like is ordained by God, yeah. right? To be able to be in relationship with Can't them. Can't be anything less. Right, right. Yeah, no way. And then uh, going to the second part of just finishing that race. So in the hospital, um, you know, we had talked about, you know, going back and finishing the race. And I think it was Amy's idea. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. I want to do that. Let's definitely do it. And I think she was thinking maybe more like in the spring or like we could go back and we could walk it. Uh, but me, I was like, no, I want to go back as soon as we can. I want to run it. I want to finish it. And so we ended up going back like, I don't know, three or four weeks later. I had been medically cleared, so I wasn't doing anything too crazy uh, to go back. And we kind of went to where we thought everything had happened. We invited friends and family and people were there to kind of cheer us on along the way. 
And then fortunately for us too, we had a police escort because uh, the police uh, department found out about it and all that stuff. So um, a Saturday morning- They just wanted morning, to make sure you're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they just wanted to make sure, right. should anything happen, let's just make sure we have everybody here already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was super unique. So we were running, it was a Saturday morning. We had a, actually a wedding shower uh, right after here at Cedar Valley. Um, but we went there that morning and we're running down Summit, basically. Uh, me and Amy are running together, this police car in front of us in the like middle of the street. And this other guy who's running on the sidewalk runs by us and he's like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, oh, we're, we're finishing the Twin Cities 10 mile. And he was like, oh, and like super confused, right? Yeah. He has no idea what happened. Wasn't that a long time yeah, ago? Yeah, was that a long time ago? <laughs> and we just laugh at that. And he just like, we had a good conversation with him and he just, then he went on his way and we finished the race and it was a super, uh, emotional is probably uh, an understatement yeah, opportunity imagine. to be able to really finish that race and cross the line. Well, yeah, just hearing your story, even hearing about your courage to go out and run that race again, given the circumstances, uh, man, what a, what a, I'm just sort of at a loss of words at your bravery and that, and to just, you know, in the intro to this podcast, we talk about sometimes we bring upon our own messy in life Sometimes other people throw their messy on in our life and then sometimes messy just slaps you upside the head. And like, this is one of those things that like, I don't know that there was anything you could do to prevent this. It, this is just one of those things that came into your life and you had to deal with. Right. And, um, and it sounds like you have, you, you, you faced this challenge head on and you overcame the challenge. Like you went out and you ran the race and you, you overcame your fear of running again. Cause I mean, I, I don't, I have no idea what it feels like to be in your shoes, but I, I think I would have a fear of like, well, if I get my heart rate going again, or if mm -hmm. I, if I run again, what's the chances of me just blacking out again? And what if people aren't around me? Like I could just see how fear would be uh, so prevalent in, in, right. in the day to day like that. So I just said, really admire you for, for having the courage to, to do that. And again, I, it sees, you know, it shows God's faithfulness, like mm -hmm. God's faithfulness in your life and God's faithfulness to you and him giving you the strength. I know he is your source of strength and, mm -hmm. and, and putting your faith um, in him is probably for sure what gave you like the courage to, to, to take those steps. For sure. So has there been any others in your life or, or random strangers or anybody who's just been like, man, you've inspired me. Your story has inspired me. Anything like that, that really has encouraged you? Yeah, when we were kind of coming out of it. So a lot of the, I guess the media and things like that, they were interested obviously in that initial story that someone almost died and they were saved, but no one could release my information without um, consent or approval because I was kind of this mystery person. There, no one knew my name. It wasn't Jesus saves, you know? So they, they had to all find a way to get the approval from, you know, the hospital or from uh, the race organization. And we thought a lot about that, you know, if we should share, what's the point of it? And we saw there was some cool opportunity to share and encourage people with this amazing story. And so once we started to do that, we've got a lot of feedback. And it's really why I keep doing some of these podcasts and things like that is just to encourage and to share. And I feel like God's really called us and given us this unique story to be able to encourage people that are going through something similar or some type of traumatic event yeah. to be able to say, hey, uh, we know these people over here, Tyler and Amy, they went through this thing and, and they had the power of God with them and look look what's happened in their life. Right. And so that's kind of the, the intent. And we've gotten some encouraging messages, some really great things. I had a friend, one 
particular story, a friend from college that I hadn't talked to in a long time, more of an acquaintance maybe. Uh, but he sent me this you know, super long text after everything happened, talk about how it really uh, came to him. And he was struggling with a friend who had passed away and um, kind of like his spiritual life was kind of reignited. And I was like, I remember just being like, whoa, like, I mean, goosebumps today telling you that story, um, seeing the power of what encouragement really is and yeah. what it can do for, for people that are going through anything in their life. That's right. And yeah, very inspiring story. I mean, <laughs> unbelievably inspiring story. I'm sure it's not a story that you would want to ever relive, um, but it's inspiring to hear how you reacted to that. And I really am inspired by that. And I think those who are listening today would say the same thing. So uh, yeah, so for the listeners who are out there who are listening and looking at their life and maybe they themselves today or uh, in a season where they're maybe facing challenges that seem so much bigger than themselves. And we we just live in a day and age where there's just such a pressure. I mean, there is a financial mm-hmm. pressure. There, there's a pressure when it comes to raising children, the busyness of life, just doing whatever you can to survive. Like there's just immense pressure out there. Mm-hmm. And then there are just some things that happen despite, uh, you know, just random things that, that pop up in life or things happening in your body or sickness or just for just a moment, would you just speak to those listening who are facing challenges that seem bigger than themselves today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think about Paul when he writes about, you know, we talked about God removing that that thing from his life, that hard thing, and God tells him, my grace is enough for you. And I think in my story, in my life, only with God, you know, all glory to God, was I able to put my shoes back on and, and go run that race. You know, before everything happened, I wasn't necessarily a runner. I didn't even have a runner's watch. Like I showed up, borrowing a friend's watch that day. And now I'm, I'm running regularly, you know, a couple of times a week if, 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 if it works out. So I think remembering who God is and what he's done in your life and in our lives and recognizing that only through him, only with his work, only with Jesus, are we able to do anything in our lives that's impactful or significant. And we can trudge through the snow or the muck or whatever it is and get something done but only through God are we gonna be able to be victorious in whatever challenge or whatever thing we're facing in our lives. And so for the person that's sitting there, if you're sitting there going through something really challenging, I would say surrender and just remember who's in control and allow him to work through you and in you. And in that, when we're weak, obviously God has the most opportunity to work in us. So if we follow that, we're gonna be taken care of and things are gonna be uh, honoring and glorifying to God, which ultimately is, is why we're here. You said it best. Tyler, how's, uh, what's one thing we can all uh, pray, pray for you specifically about? Yeah, well, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll take two because I, okay. I don't want to be stingy. Well, I'm being stingy, but my marriage always, I always ask for prayer for my marriage. That's super important to me. So if you ever think of me and Amy, give us a prayer. Um, personally, I think just for humility, honestly, I, I've been up blessed with opportunities to speak and share and do different things. Um, but I know that Satan wants to twist that and turn that into something right. negative. So humility and being humble and um, thinking more of others than myself is super important to me. Yeah, that's great. So for those of you guys listening out there today, I, I know you were inspired by this story. Um, and yeah, let's remember to pray for Tyler and his marriage. Also pray for his heart, for, for humility. And also pray for more opportunities for you. I know you thoroughly uh, are, are looking forward to what God has for you in the future. And I know that you, you know that God has called you and, and has also um, promised you a, a platform to, to now share this story and to use it for his glory. And so I pray for continued opportunities for you uh, for ministry to, to point more people 
um, to Jesus. And for those of you listeners out there, just thank you so much for listening today. I pray that you have been inspired to, uh, to surrender, as Tyler said, and to remember that God is in control. As always, we thank you so much for listening. We look forward to our next episode, and we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful summer night here in lovely Minnesota. Adios, everybody.